how you doing? Welcome to Mr. Scullin's Music Room, the podcast, episode number one. Oh, sorry to sing at you. That was a bit that was a bit weird. Yeah, this is the first episode of uh, my new podcast, Mr. Scullin's Music Room. And um, yeah, in case you don't know me, my name's Mr. Scullin, but we're not in the classroom anymore, so you can call me Andrew, Andy, Drew, Dr. Drew, um, Jimothy Doodoo. No, don't do that. That's a weird one. Sorry. Anyway, so um, yeah, my name's Andrew. I'll be your host, and I will. Uh, and I conducted an interview. That sounds very formal. I spoke to some people. I conducted an interview earlier this year. Uh, this year being twenty twenty. It's August twenty twenty. It's boiling hot in um, uh, Great Britain at the moment. Um, and uh, I could, I spoke to my interviewees in May of this year, twenty twenty. Um, if this, if you're in the future and you're listening, you're thinking back to this year. Oh, it was a tough one. 2020, we were in lockdown. Um, everything's a little bit weird at the moment, and um, so my interview happened to be during lockdown. I was going to meet up with uh, my guests in person, but unfortunately, we had to do it over the computer. I mean, it, it worked okay, but the sound is a little bit dodgy. So I apologise in advance about that. Please don't um, get too upset about the sound. I think I've managed to tweak it enough that it's acceptable to your earpipes. But that's enough about the introduction and who I am. Um, I spoke to Sky and Steve from the band More Chiba earlier this year. Um, I happened to know them through the school where I teach and um, I taught their son in my music lessons and he had a few guitar lessons as well and just got to know Sky and Steve along the way and um, initially, not gonna lie, quite nervous when I found out they were in the assembly if I was playing a bit of music uh, with the kids I thought oh my goodness I hope I don't get, uh, get anything wrong but actually over the years I've realized that they are really really lovely human beings and you will hear that as well um, in the interview and I wanted to talk to them really about their journey into um, musical fame they're, they're pretty big time they um, they've sold they've recorded several albums they've had a couple of top 10 records they tour the world they play to masses of people in crowds um all around the world um and they've got a huge fan base a very popular band amazing musicians and i thought it'd be really interesting to find out how they got to where they are and if they encountered any problems and that's really not wanting to sound too negative not that i want to go on about all the um you know the doom and gloom but actually i think it's really important to realize that even if you're a superstar, uh, a musical megastar, you will have encountered some problems along the way and you ha would have had some adversity. And I think everybody has that. And especially in the world of music, if you want to get into it, whether you want to be a, a, a pop star or whether you want to teach or whether you want to produce or whether you want to do sound effects for movies, there will be a, um, moments when you try something and you'll get it wrong and you'll fail and you'll make a mistake but then actually it's how you deal with that mistake which is really really important and that's what we talk about a lot in this interview um so we talk about the, the we talk about highs we talk about lows um but we talk quite a lot i'm going to stop talking now i hope you enjoy this interview i'm going to chat more at the end and um please strap in and enjoy my chat with sky and steve from Morchiba. Hello, I'm Sky, the singer from Morchiba. Hi, I'm Steve, I'm the bass player from Morchiba.
what I'd really like to know, what I'd like people listening to find out, is your journeys um, and experiences. And we're going to talk kind of positive and negative experiences because, you know, it's never going to be a, a, a bed of roses. It's not going to be plain sailing. And I think it's really important that we tell our young people that. And also, as adults, you can still hit a hurdle and still find a little Absolutely. bit of Absolutely, adversity. Yeah. And I think, and, and especially in your industry, because you are in the public eye, and I think we're very aware that it's that's not an easy place to be all the time. And um, even though I imagine you still enjoy... Absolutely, yeah, I really do. What was your start? start, Well, um, so I started, um, I guess I was singing in school. I I remember our singing lessons in class. Um, We had a a really posh um, singing teacher. I grew up in East London, in East Ham, and I went to a school called Brampton Manor. Though it sounds quite posh, it really wasn't. But our singing teacher was really posh, Mrs Pollard. Um, and I just remember just like I, I, I just couldn't really connect with this woman um, and so wasn't really inspired to um, you know in this in the music lessons in the singing class um, but then after that it was really wasn't really until I became a, a, I guess I was 19 and um, I started singing um, I went to a, a, a youth center it's called the Tom Allen Center in Stratford um, in East London, that's where the Olympics were in, back in 2012. And um, I joined this um, singing group um, really just to make friends. Um, and um, yeah, that was my journey of singing in a group. It was a really small group. There was not like it wasn't like a drama group or where we were going to be doing anything in public. It was really just somewhere for us all just to, to come together and sing and, and have fun. And do you find, I mean, even though the, the, the lessons were a bit stiff with, was it Mrs, oh, hang on, Mrs. Mrs. Pollard. Mrs. Pollard. I was going to go Mrs. Brampton, but actually, of course. But, um, yeah. yeah, Mrs. Pollard. Did, I mean, did you connect with any of the music that you sang? or? No, I mean, there was, I remember one song, um, it was, she read it as reggae, sweet Jamaican reggae. <laughs> reggae. Let me sing it to the break of day, sweet Jamaican reggae, reggae. Not reggae. I love that. It sounds like, like a, 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 like a posh way of saying reggae. reggae. <laughs> How did, did you actually, did you pick her up on it or did you just no, let it slide? No. You never questioned the teacher back no. then, no I way. Know. I'll tell you, I, I, you know what, well, I get picked up a lot. Provided. <laughs> <laughs> right, so reggae, oh, I'm going to start. Reggae. I'm going to start using that as a term now. <laughs> posh reggae, isn't it? Did it give you confidence um, singing in that capacity, or was it was was singing in you anyway? You singing think? was in me for sure. Um, I, you know, I used to um, sing along and harmonise with the Hoover um, <laughs> back then when it was actually called Hoover. Like I know they're called vacuum cleaners, yeah. but we had a, a, a round Hoover that used to sort of hover. I don't know if you remember these. Um, uh, the air came out the bottom, so you could pull it around. Yeah. It looked a little bit like a little alien. And I would sort of, as I was hoovering around the house as a as a kid, 
I would um, harmonise with the Hoover. So, yeah, singing has always been with me. But I didn't really know that it was something that I could do, um, you know, and actually earn money from it and, you know, just have a career out of. That wasn't really something that we did. Right. Um, we don't do that sort of thing. It was just, it seemed like a, you know, it wasn't even a dream or a fantasy. It was just, you know, something that I did in my bedroom or you know, yeah. in the living room or, you know, a youth club, but... Um, so you weren't told by your, your folks to go and get a proper job or anything like that? You, 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 you never kind of... <laughs> I'd tell you what, I mean, we'd, we'd been touring, so we'd started with More Chiba, you know, so I'd been with More Chiba since 94, and um, this was 2003, so we'd had quite a, a few successful albums, and we did a show in Trafalgar Square, um, it was the first time that they'd, that they'd allowed to have um, music in Trafalgar Square in central London. And Nitin saw me opened, we were in the middle, and then David Gray, um, you know, finished. And at the end of it, my mum said, well, you know, it, you know, there's still a room for you. If it, you know, if it doesn't work out, we've still got a room for you at home. And I'm like, mum, I've just been on stage in front of thousands of people in Trafalgar Square. But so she just, you know, God love her, she, she just didn't, she didn't get it. Um, so you're, yeah. you're not, do you do any vocals in the band? Are you, are you solely? Yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah, thanks to Sky, it got a lot better. It's something I always struggled with playing bass and singing, just rhythm wise. And then, yeah, just stuck at it. And over time, I mean, I was always asked to do BVs, and the more I got into session playing, playing for other bands, it was always, you know, I think if you can do that, you, you know, it's a great string to your bro. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, I, I got better, and now I'm pretty much the main backing vocalist as well in nice. the band, which is quite good. Excellent. And you started out playing pipes, bagpipes, because... Bagpipes, If, if, you, if you, right, you can't tell yeah. everyone, um, Steve Hale's from Scotland, and... Uh, right. It's, and bagpipes, yeah, it's almost like the cliché instrument that should be yeah, played. Yeah, for a Scotsman. So when... Well, I mean, back in that day, it was very unfashionable, even in Scotland, to be honest. Oh, really? Yeah, I mean, but in my village, it was just a huge, you know, we had a great organisation and had some amazing teachers. But, I mean, you know, with that aside as well, you know, at school, I had the same sort of experience, never never connected with the music that was being taught or the teachers. There was just no connection. Whereas when I went piping, the connection was amazing mm. because the teachers were amazing, you know. Yeah. They were so inspirational and it made you want to, you know, play that really difficult instrument mm. and um yeah that taught me everything i needed to know in music so i started that one was about seven or eight and then you didn't know, pick bass up till i was 18 but you know because i'd been taught so well on you know the, the pipes and the music um you know it just gave me everything i needed to move forward sure and that's what gave me the success in bass and what was i mean so i'm assuming that because you didn't really engage with it at school what did you have anything else in mind? Were you thinking, I want to be in a band? Yeah, well, no, actually, the um, the reason I went to bass was because, 
you know, we had the pipes, but we'd always be in the back of the bus going to these competitions, but we'd always be having the ghetto blast out and playing all the popular music of that time. And and there was one band in particular, Big Country, that we all were all into and really inspired by that band. Yeah. And um and then and then my mate who wasn't in the pipe band, he played guitar and then another guy was playing keys. And another guy was a drummer, so I thought, okay. Let me pick up bass and give that a go. Yeah. And it was just to be in the band, you know, because I wanted to be in a band, you know. I mean, it was just yeah. like nothing cooler than being in a band. <laughs> you know, I was in a pipe band and that, you know, I thought that was cool and it was yeah. great, but, you know, a band was then, you know, we just took off from there. We all taught each other, we all taught ourselves and we just moved forward like that, which was great. So it was quite an organic thing, self-taught. Yeah, Because that, that's, that's how I really started as well. I mean, it was very much listening to records and playing along with your favourite tunes. And, it, you know, my dad wanted me to play guitar, but it was, I, 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 don't, I, I think I had to come to it myself. I yeah. think, you know, you, um, so like, you know, when, when parents kind of put the pressure on, sometimes that's going yeah. to repel you a little bit. So Absolutely. But, yeah. I mean, with, with my two, I mean, like, you know, they both picked up my eldest, she plays guitar, and my, my youngest, he, he sings and he, he's starting to play the piano. But as soon as, I, as soon as I start to go formal and kind of, oh, let's have a look at it, it's just, yeah. like, <laughs> it's just like, shut up, Dad, what are you doing? Yeah. Um, so um, let them find it themselves and, and yeah. always remember back to that point when you were younger thinking, you know, no, this was my own path, and I felt I think I felt like I was blazing my own trail, and yeah. um, and I think music is about that. It's that it's individual and and yeah, non-conformist. I think we've mentioned that as well. Before. Yeah. It's, like, it's difficult, isn't it, to find the balance with the, the kids because we kind of because we've got the same. Well, we've got an older son who is now the drummer in the band, Jago, right. but he started the same sort of thing. We bought him a drum kit when he was ten. And they didn't really play it until we moved to this house we're in and the next door neighbour who didn't know he played guitar mm. and the two of them just got together in the um in, in the, the garage. garage yeah. They both were at the same level, which was zero. <laughs> yeah. They just learnt together, you know, did all of their mistakes together in the in the garage. You and know. we did try to get him lessons and force it upon him, but he yeah. would never have it. But yeah. it's difficult because I think he would have been he, he would have really benefited from it. Yeah. So our, our younger son, he's he is getting lessons, and we can push him a little bit. And he's not he's not pushing away. He's really, I think, as he sees his. But his older it was brother. it's you know because he did start you know with you with on guitar. Yeah. It um it, it was piano that he kind of took to because we've got a piano just sitting at just just sitting at home <laughs> in the in the living room and he. He was mucking around on that and would kind of think like, oh, he's got a good ear, he's worked out this song, he's worked out how to play that song. And so because it was an instrument that he took to rather than, why don't you play piano? Mm. Then we thought, like, actually, you're pretty good on that. How about some lessons? And yeah. he's like, mm, okay, you know, so, and that's kind of like pushed him and helped him to move forward. But he was inspired by you, Andrew, you know, being a music teacher and you connected with him and uh, like uh, you know we've seen with a lot of the kids down in um earlswood yeah and you know that that's a difference from our experiences mm -hmm. and a lot of experiences especially in music yeah it's like people just switch off from it that's that's the thing that that kind of drives me i mean it's, it's lovely to hear you say that and it's it's what i hope happens but you know that's it, it, it's almost like my negative experience at school i want to rectify that yeah for kids because 
because you know it is for everyone Every, music is is for everybody and i think there is yeah. there is that barrier when you get your mrs pollards and your people kind of who make it really stiff and can't yeah. pronounce the word reggae you know that, <laughs> that's when you've got like a, a, a like a spanner in the works isn't it but mm -hmm. if you can just even if somebody hasn't got an instrument i think you know there's so much technology nowadays that yeah. they can go in you know saying about like nothing cooler than being in a band i mean I, I i still like to think that that's the case but i mean i don't know what if young people want to be in bands anymore, do they just want to be like marshmallow do they want to be a producer yeah. do they want to be which is valid yeah. it's totally valid but i mean yeah i think what happens i mean I, 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 okay i'm going to generalize with a lot of um young people is because they see the you know, the X factors and the Britain's yeah. Got Talent and it feels like it is like an overnight thing. Suddenly yeah. they've gone to they've gone to an audition on TV and then suddenly they're on a big stage in front of an audience on TV and they're famous. Yeah. And it's just it's it feels like it's like it's instant and um and there's the whole fame thing that goes along with it. But it's it's not instant for you know for a lot of people. There's, for yeah, exactly. You've got to you do have to learn your craft. Well, this and, is this is it, isn't know. it? I mean, do you, going back to like early gigs and things like that, you must be in a completely different place to where you are now. Oh, it's oh God! It's, yeah. you, you just you, you're terrible when you begin. I mean, that's the, the, you know the other difficulty, isn't it? You've got to be get up in front of people and be terrible for a while. Mm -hmm. Terrible know, and, really and vulnerable as well. Like so. That's yeah. exactly what I was telling up my um, older daughter. She's twenty two and she's she wants to sing and um, but she's just like oh but you know you're a singer and everyone expects me to be amazing like you and I'm like but you are amazing. And she's mm. like but I just you know she wants to be like you know like there and it's Super like you've, you've got to um, put yourself out there you've, to be able to be brave to, to to show courage you have to be able to show vulnerability i, I was watching a, a documentary on netflix we're at home a lot now and watching a few netflix um a woman called breen brown and she's talking about um vulnerability and courage and they they work in the same breath really you've got to be able to be brave you've got to 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 be shy and to be vulnerable and yeah. and you've got to fail you are going to fail and this is what i said to to, to my daughter, and this is what I said to Gilly when he did his first little show playing piano. I says, maybe, you make, maybe you'll make a mistake. You probably will make a mistake because you'll be nervous and it's the first time, but, but at least you're doing it. You've got to put yourself out there. You've got to put yourself out there and you've got to be prepared to, to fail, but you've still got to go and do it again. And then you've got to do it again and maybe you'll get it wrong again, but then you've still got to do it again and again. Yeah. And then you'll get better and make less mistakes but you still will make mistakes <laughs> walking free in harmony one fine day we'll fly away don't you know that Rome wasn't built in a day hey 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 I don't think you should ever reach perfection. Exactly, yeah. yeah. There is always something new to learn, yeah. always. And I'm still still learning 
um, you know, when it, each time I go on stage and, you know, just just learning how to interact with the audience, maybe talking a little less or maybe sometimes a little more or yeah. the way that I move on stage and all that kind of stuff, you know. I mean, I, I think I only just recently got into wearing in-ear monitors and that was a whole new level of learning. <laughs> I'm not the, the, the loudest singer. Um, I am I've definitely, again, I have improved over the years. When our first show, I sang so quietly, there was loads of feedback. Everyone was in the audience telling us to, to turn it up. And um, so I went and got singing lessons. And, um, you know, I, and I still use those techniques today to, to be able to project my voice. Right. Um, but um, certainly, yeah, with the in-ear monitors, like, there was a few times... <laughs> everyone's coming off high-fiving each other after a brilliant show and I'm sitting there all kind of moody it's like oh, that was really rubbish you know and they're like what were you talking about didn't you hear the audience I was like no I didn't hear. they weren't singing along well you know what boring crap but actually it's because there was no um mics facing ambient the audience mics. no what we call ambient mics so sure. they, they weren't picking up the audience feedback and I really, really thrive off of hearing and seeing the audience. Um, and um, so when I don't get that, it was just like I was singing in an empty room. I made nobody, has been, well, been playing in front of nobody. Because yeah. I couldn't hear them singing and cheering and, um, you know, willingness to do well. like talking of covers and acoustic versions I've got to do an acoustic version of The Only Ways Up by Yaz it's for um, for I guess it's a a charity called DECA and um, in aid of there's going to be the International Day of the Girl in October and they want um, you know female anthems Um, and so I was thinking what did I listen to when I was a teenager and that was the first (laughs) The first um, song that I bought on vinyl, oh, um, so I'm going to try and attempt to do that, um, you know, for, for as a cover. Oh, I love that! Is it, are you, you going to do, do it solo? So you... Yeah, I'm not really sure how I'm going to do it yet. I've got no idea. So, um, any ideas, any suggestions? Let me know. Oh, you know what? I I I really like working a key. Well, I, I was I, I, my wife and I we 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 re tweaked. Making your mind up by Bucks Fizz, but like in a oh, kind of yes. in a slightly minor key. <laughs> right, uh, there you go. Slow it down, minor key, and it's um yeah, it it, it changes the shape. The other one is "I Am the One and Only" by Chesney Hawks. That works quite well in a. Oh yeah. <laughs> okay. But, um, so yeah, I might I might have a little fiddle around with that. And yeah, let me know. Let me know. <laughs> and you Let's can just go. It. Yeah, it's very good, Andrew. Well done. Yeah, I'll do it myself, <laughs> Um, so right, going back to the, uh, where uh, you know playing live and stuff, was there a point when you thought right that's we've made it? Because I mean I I, I never you know I was with a band and we were like striving to get deals and we've been in like the offices of Warner Brothers and stuff and playing stuff to A and R people who went no this is awful go away and so the, but there's this constant treadmill of just like trying to get noticed and even you know we got a manager at one point and we thought oh we're getting there. But there still must be a point when, even when you're signed, even when you have got a kind of fan base, do you still feel like oh, we're not quite there? Was there a was there a defining point? I mean, there's a few different sort of levels. I mean, so you know, to begin with, um, you know, Ross and Paul, their brothers, 
they, they've always been in bands together and they were always sending demos um, to record companies and each time they would change the name of the band um, right. and then get rejected and then do another demo and then send it off. And so the demo that we sent to um, to the label um, when, I, when I joined the band, it was Trigger Hippie, which it was the first song that we wrote together and the, the name on the, ba- on the, on the cassette happened to be called More Chiba, and that stuck. Um, but it wasn't really until, I think it, our song was played on a, on a radio station. I don't even know the name of the radio station. We stayed up, it was at like 3 a.m. that they played Trigger Hippie. And um, so that would have been, I guess, 1996, at some point in 96. And then we played We Are The Champions <laughs> by Queen. And, you know, we, we just thought, we've made it, we've made it, just being played on the radio at 3am. And, um, you know, but there are, there, there's different levels, really. But that was certainly the one that, that I remember thinking, yeah, we've made it just because our song has been, been played on the radio, you know. several but is there, if yeah. there, is there anything that kind of really stands out as this when you're like um, looking around you going hang on a minute I guess singing singing duet with Pavarotti Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> um, we used to like we did a tour of, of, of Italy and at the end you know when you finish the, 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 the gig we used to put a song um, um, when the moon hits your eye like a great pizza pie yeah 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 so we used to play that as the audience are leaving. And then there was one show that we, we did in Modena and um, it was our last show. And so then we came out on stage after we'd finished, we came out on stage and did a waltz dance with our crew, with our backline techs. Um, but um, Pavarotti's wife happened to be at that show. And um, she then, he used to do this, um, you know, event every year called Pavarotti and Friends. Mm. And he invited Morchiba to um, to help um, come and perf- to perform um, That's Amore. So I sang duet with, uh, with Pavarotti wow. um, in Italy in front of like um, hundreds of thousands of people. Um, well, I guess millions were probably tuning in. Um, and uh, if you want to talk about mistakes, <laughs> so I sang um, That's Amore, that was great. Um, and then we had to play um, Rome Wasn't Built in a Day, which was a, a quite a huge hit in Italy. Yeah. Um, and we'd rehearsed it when we were actually on stage. But then when it came to performing, and this is live television, um, the orchestra had started the song before we were out on stage. So we didn't know where the beginning was. And so we just came in where we thought it was the right time and it was completely oh, wrong. No. Like, they'd reached the chorus before we had. And so I just sort of looked at Ross and it's, and this is with a full orchestra conductor <laughs> <laughs> and everything. And I just looked at Ross and we just like, you know, so we just, you know, cut. 
and the presenter came running out and it's like no it's fine should we start it again and we started it again and it was brilliant yeah. it was the best thing that we could have done um but um yeah <laughs> live television um it's probably on youtube somewhere i don't know but um that was i guess one of the um you know another momentum uh, moment um the trafalgar square um and also we played at the royal albert hall that was pretty spectacular wow we weren't ready. Glastonbury. Glastonbury, we've done that a few times. So, you know, there's yeah, there's a few a few moments, but like yeah, when you say Glastonbury, that's like one of the biggest festivals in Europe. And yeah, and that was good because we headlined the One World stage. Right. I think three times, twice was it maybe in yeah there were they were monumental. For I me remember for, like know. going out. So I think who was on the other stage? I don't know whether it was. There was a Bad huge. Boy Slim. There was a, it was bigger than that. There was somebody really massive on on the main stage, and I was just like, "What's the point? No one's gonna come and see us. No one's gonna see us." Like, and then you know, and then you know, you came back and said, "There's like, there's ten thousand people out there." It's like, "No, there isn't." You know, it's like, "Why are you lying?" And then you walk out there, and then there's it was probably like twice as much, wow. and it was just like it was brilliant. It was absolutely amazing. I'd say two thousand and three was was it was a big year for Morchiba because we did we did we played Glastonbury and we played the um, Hollywood Bowl in the same weekend. Whoa! And then we toured China. We were the first band to, to tour China. Um, they they'd had bands that would that go to Beijing and Shanghai, but we were the first band to actually do a tour. Um, in six different places Blimey. and in venues where people could stand up for the first time um, and we did the Trafalgar Square gig and we split up that year <laughs> what? everything happened yeah, yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> wow, wow so yeah it's now a new incarnation isn't it would you say the new... yeah I mean we, we split up in 2003 and then um, they continued with a few different other singers until about 2008 Eight, um, I rejoined two thousand and nine, and then um, the older brother Paul left two thousand and thirteen. So it's now Ross and I. Yeah. We did the Blood Like Lemonade album, and then um, and then we did another uh, album, Head Up High, and then it was around two thousand and thirteen that Paul um, said he wanted to leave the band, and then there was a whole load of complications with the name. So we couldn't call ourselves Morchiba for a couple of years. So it became just Sky and Ross. We yeah. toured as Sky and Ross, even though we were still playing Morchiba songs. There was a bit of confusion in that way. Right. Um, and then um, you know we officially came back as Morchiba with the Blaze Away album, which came out in I think it was twenty seventeen. And that's, Gosh, time flies. and that's your current, that's your latest album, isn't it? Yes, um, yeah, that's right. And we are together in unity. Into the furnace, we blaze away forevermore. Do you mind if we talk reviews? Because yeah, because I mean, I don't read them so much now. I, I back in the day, I would read reviews and keep names of <laughs> of people that, re, that that would review us, especially the ones that were 
that would maybe particularly mean, mm. um, mostly because I didn't want to then end up in a room with this mean person being interviewed and being asked questions like, so what do you do in the band? Mm. It's, it's just like, oh, I just sit here and look pretty yeah. type thing. So it's just... Um, but I don't really read the reviews so much. Steve does, and he, you know, and he'll tell me if it's if it's a good one. But I think if you you're going to read the good ones, you've got to take the the good with the bad. Sure. Otherwise, you'll get a big head if you just read all of the good ones. Well, so. that's it. And I think you possibly need that approach that you're never going to please everyone. Not everyone's going to, you know, you're not going to be everyone's cup of tea. And 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 sometimes people just are, are going to be having a go for the sake of. I think. You know, reviewers in particular—they they seem to be quite a uh, quite vicious when they. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. There's some that I think they just didn't like us. I think there was one guy um, who was for, worked for the enemy, and he gave us um, zero out of five for our. Um, I think it which was it Big Calm album. Would, um, would you say that? And, would you say that was the album that kind of really kicked things off as well? Yeah, I Big, mean, well, it's it's. I'd say that one and also, I mean, there was Fragments of Freedom, though Fragments of Freedom seemed to really upset people because we took a different approach. It was a little bit more up-tempo, but right. it was a deliberate um, decision to make songs that people could dance to, so they became a little bit more up-tempo, but we, we managed to upset a lot of fans, um, but we did get a, a top ten in ten countries if Rome wasn't built in a day. Yeah. And that is a song that everybody seems to cheer to and sing along to at the end of each show. Sure. So um, who knows, who knows. But um, when we, we did um, Big Calm, which seems to be the favourite album of a lot of people, mm. um, we got zero out of five and he called us Satan's own lounge band. <sighs> Um, so we took that slogan and we put it on T-shirts and sold them for a tenner. <laughs> Brilliant. Brilliant. But, uh, you know what, that's, uh, that's, that's all you can do. Like, kill, kill them with kindness, I think. You know, you don't Absolutely. completely just you know, pull, pull the rug. Because I think, yeah, it's, I know it's part of their job, but it's, I don't think there's any need to be unkind to people that are being no. creative. And, and especially in an industry where you're putting yourself out there, it's, it's it, going back to the vulnerable thing again. You know, you Exactly, all, yeah. That's it, we're doing it. But I think it's, I mean, it's worse today because you've got, you know, you've got Facebook, you've got Instagram, Twitter, and um, somebody, a friend of ours, called them the keyboard warriors where they can sit behind, a, you know, a pseudonym, yeah. not even give their real name, not even give a real photo of themselves and just you know completely you know obliterate somebody's hard work yeah um, and um and that that's that's often quite quite difficult to um to deal with you know all sure. of the, the negative comments and um you know it's like that i think there's I, I don't know is there a dislike button now as well i think there's, there is like there is a dislike button isn't there I, yeah. i've got you know uh, angry faces i mean i think you know on my on my very kind of like low subscriber youtube thing I've, I've definitely received a few thumbs down and some yeah, and some yeah. constructive criticism from people and you just think you know what you don't know what their story is you don't know who they are and yeah and so you just got to kind of take it all with a pinch of salt but absolutely. the keyboard warriors yeah, yeah absolutely but i think for the younger mind <laughs> it, it's soul destroying you know it doesn't matter if you've got a thousand you know likes and if you've just got one sort of negative comment 
it 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 kind of it plays with you. I mean, it, like it plays on the mind because our our minds are kind of designed to remember the bad stuff. Yeah. So that we don't repeat the bad stuff. So it it hurts when <laughs> you know when um, mm-hmm. you know when someone's negative. But I think going back to like connecting with the negative stuff, that's why people love a sad song. Yeah. Everyone can connect with with heartache because it's something that's still there in the brain. Lights falling into my home. Think I might fall in love, and I won't deny feeling. Do you find that you're writing more positive lyrics then nowadays? Yeah, well, I mean, certainly on um, on Blaze Away, um, you know, you've got songs like. Um, it's summertime, <laughs> singing about the sunshine, and um, yeah, there's a lot. There was a lot of positivity on that record, and um, there's a track called Love Dub, which is just you know about you know people coming together and building bridges rather than um, you know building walls and connecting. Um, so um, I definitely do like to sort of keep it positive. But we're writing the next um, more Chiba album, and. Um, Lyrically, there's yeah, there's a bit of heartbreak on there. Yeah. Um, it's been a it's been a tough year. It was been a tough couple of years actually. Um, a few personal stuff going on, the family and all that kind of stuff. So right. that certainly comes out in the lyrics, whether you want it to or not. It's just it just kind of, you know, sometimes the lyrics come from a melody. I'll sing a melody over the top of something that Ross has um, written. And then I'll listen to the melody over and over again, and then I'll hear words and then piece it together, sure. and then and not really know what it means until until the end of it, and it's like oh, oh <laughs> I wrote that sort of subconsciously, which I really like that sort of writing process. Would you say if, if social media was around when you'd started out in, in the same way as, as it is now? I don't think social media was even a thing mid nineties. No, was it? there was no there was, such thing. Was no I mean, concept, was you it? know, you'd get your review in in the, you know in a magazine, um, but even sort of online stuff that wasn't that sort of came out a little bit mm. you know later type thing. So, um, I mean, I suppose it's a bit obvious. I guess it would have been a different story. But do you reckon you'd have been able to handle what? young no. people have to deal with now <laughs> no way not at all not at all because yeah. um, you, you need know, you need a thick skin to be in your industry yeah I think, yeah, yeah. Also, I mean like, then it was like you know the old journalist here and there but now it's like you know thousands of people it's totally amplified that yeah. feelings are totally amplified yeah. for them yeah I, I don't think that's a good thing now I was reading about you know like you know why people can become addicted to the Facebook and the Instagram because it's it's kind of it triggers the the dopamine dope yeah dopamine is that the right that's, word that sounds like a yeah word. I like that. um so it's just like you know that and they've designed it so brilliantly it's like oh I got a like oh mm. I got a message oh I got a you know and it's yeah. just like oh my god but it makes you feel good and it spikes it and then you just like keep going back to it because you want to get these likes and mm. um you know so that's that's quite a tricky thing so. We're really careful with with our kids that they're, they're not signed up to to any of those um, platforms. I mean, maybe they'll they'll get to an age where we won't be able to stop them. But sure. certainly, Gilly at aged at age twelve, and our youngest that she's age five, certainly definitely not yeah. anything that um, requires likes and and subscribes. Though she'll play with her toys in front of the mirror 
and be like, you know, like and, and sus- subscribe. <laughs> you can't even say the word. <laughs> and, you know, we were colouring in today and then she's like, do you want to tell them what colours we're using? And I'm like, tell who? And she's like, we're just pretending, Mama. We're just pretending. So I had to tell the, our imaginary <laughs> audience, like, oh, and this is the colour blue, this is the colour green. <laughs> Oh, oh, what it's a different like, world, isn't it? It, it? it really is. It really is. And like you know, I, my two, the, the, my eldest, she's got a phone, and she she doesn't doesn't have a YouTube account, but she makes little videos, and then you can hear her go, "Hi guys." Yeah, <laughs> hi guys. Let's get The album, I, I, I miss albums. I think that I don't think that's an important thing for for new artists anymore. I don't think, or maybe younger listeners, I don't think they think, oh, this is this person I like. I can't wait till their album comes out. I think it's just yeah, like, I like yeah. that song. Exactly. And yeah. That's it. You've got that song, and then you get another song, and it's. Um, I don't know. We're still into albums. I mean, you know, the way that we write is more cheap, but we're still, we write as a as a, an album, you know what I mean? So, so do you view it like a journey? It's got a start, middle and an end. Absolutely, yeah. And we, there's a lot of thought goes into, um, you know, what song follows what song. And the same like with my solo album, the, the last album that I did, it's called In a Low Light. And it is... It is a journey, yeah. um, oh, you know, that exactly, yeah, and there's a couple of, there's a song that kind of emerges from one into the next and right through to the end where you should hopefully, um, you know, be lulled into um, into a coma, <laughs> <laughs> not in a boring way, but it, is, it was kind of made as a, as a, a listening journey to, yeah. to make you feel relaxed and mellow. Push your bar, baby, I'll sing a melody. Who knows what you will be? Life is just fantasy. Do you feel that responsibility to be a positive role model for young people, females or anything? Does that come into your headspace when you're performing or when you're recording, when you're writing lyrics? Yeah, I think it does. I mean, <clears throat> I never really saw myself as a role model until uh, until I did my solo album, my first solo record, and um, I made a, released a song, it was called Love Show. I went to Jamaica and shot the video there and um, a friend of ours was watching this video and then she started crying and she was just like, it's just amazing to see, you know, a, a black woman um, in a music video with her clothes on. <laughs> and it's like, oh, yeah, you know. And so, um, you know, I've got two daughters and, yes, yeah, so I'm really, um, you know, aware of that. And, um, and you know, I don't, I don't have to sort of wear mini skirts and, um, you know, low-cut tops and all that kind of stuff and... But yeah, so I guess I yeah, I'm kind of, you know, unconsciously, you know, um, 
Uh, you know, take care of yeah what what I say and what I do, and because I think oh my you know my daughters are going to be and my son even you know mm. is going to be um watching this and you know so you, you kind of think about how you're you're presenting yourself to the world. I started fashion design um you know sort of twenty five years ago I guess at the, I went to the London College of Fashion um and um I got a BTEC diploma. Uh, in sewing and then um, I went and, and my first job was um, in, in fashion was um, making ballroom gowns and I guess people know that as uh, strictly come dancing <laughs> but back then it was it was more formal and um, you know there was these dresses with lots of sequins and feathers and um, and I got incredibly bored I, I lasted a year um, most of the people that worked there were all dancers um, but anyhow, I quit that job and bought myself a guitar and a song, uh, a songbook, um, hit songs from the eighties, and taught myself how to play guitar. Um, but I do, yeah, still make my own clothes for stage. It, it came really out of desperation of like, I think there was a show that we did. It was in San Francisco. I went shopping that day. I bought a dress, um, and because um, there was this TV, uh, a film producer coming to see us. And so I bought this fantastic dress. And then the girl in the front row had exactly the same dress on. <laughs> and I thought, this cannot happen again. And so from then on, I started making my own clothes. Oh, okay. And that's what I continue to do. And my skills have just got, you know, better over the years. And I've become more confident also. That's the thing. Yeah. With, um, I think it was actually seeing Amy Winehouse with her big hairdo yeah. and her eyes painted and stuff. And I thought... Gosh, she didn't look like that a year ago. And it's just like, okay, you know, it's not like it's a gimmick or anything, but it's just like, okay, I can go a little bit more wild with the hair yeah. and I'll add a few more feathers and sequins with the dresses. And, I, you know, I really do enjoy getting dressed up. And, um, you know, I'm a Gemini, so I've got maybe a bit of a split personality. So it's to be Sky from Mochiba and then, and then come home and just be mum in my, in my Crocs and... <laughs> You need, you know, you need bravery to go on stage, don't you? And it's, it can be very nerve-wracking, especially when you start off. And anything that helps, it is, it becomes your armor in a way, doesn't it? It's good. I mean, I think it's all part of it, isn't it? It's part of the, you know, being in a band and having a look and you know, looking good and feeling good and expressing yourself. But equally, if you don't want to be and you just want to be playing, and it, it works as well. Yeah. You know, it just depends what works for you. There's not one size fits all in this. And I think that's an important point because especially for kids coming through, you know, it, you know, what we want to see is individuality and however that cut transforms, you know, if it's plain, if it's exuberant, it doesn't, you know, you just have to go with the flow, try not copy people. I mean, you, you do start off copying people because that's mm -hmm. just a reference point. And then hopefully what comes through is your individual personality, isn't it? Yeah, actually, like you say that, uh, immediately brings Lewis Capaldi to mind I think he's yeah. he's quite a nice breath I mean like brilliant breath I think for, sure, the, yeah. for the females you've got Billie Eilish who doesn't seem to be like yeah you know she's she's covering up quite a lot yeah and for the males Lewis Capaldi I, I you know he's great he doesn't care <laughs> at all about it, that's image. just awesome isn't it it really is awesome especially in this day and age where yeah. you know a lot of you know that generation is about how you look. Yeah, you know, you've got style the, over you've got that style. You've got that whole side of 
culture, which is the um, the Love Island and all of those sort of things and the the success, you know, along guy along comes, you know, Sam Smith, Adele, and Luis Capaldi, and just smashes all that out of the mm. park because they're brilliant singers, great songs, and they write, and they don't look, you know, like all of these other people, and it's just like this is fantastic, and they're hugely successful, yeah. mm -hmm. and that is just awesome. And you hopefully that you hope that resonates with the younger people. I think. Yes, that sounds so old. The younger people, yeah. but you know, it's, it, it is. <laughs> I mean, like... you need the exuberance as well. You, know, you need the balance of it, but you just don't want it to be style over content. Yeah. Really. Mm -hmm. But you want content and style because style is cool as well. Style, yeah, well I mean, not... like. Yeah, I mean, like, again, you guys rock it really nicely on stage, but when you think back to people like Bowie and stuff like that, you know, he, he really changed the whole shape of things. He image did, didn't he? Yeah, that. process of um, uh, writing the next more Cheever album because of course we're we're all in lockdown at the moment so we should be on tour we should have been in yeah. Australia yeah we'd have been month. in Australia we we our tour we started our tour in March um, we did one show um, in Utrecht and we had the tour bus and such a great team of people and then we had to come home because of um, you know they were shutting down venues left right and centre mm. So, but um, the upside is that we're at home. Ross is over in um, South London, and we're here in Surrey, and we're you know emailing each other to and fro, um, all of the ideas, and we've got five songs ready to be mixed, and then there's another seven songs, and you know I've got a mic here. Steve is the the fantastic engineer. Might need some advice next time, Steve. <laughs> Um, so once the kids are in bed, we, you know, go into sort of um, studio mode. Right. Um, so that will be finished in, the, you know, in the next couple of months. And then we just wait and see, really, because who knows what, you know, with the travel industry and and anything with the large crowds, that's sort of basically our career um, on hold for it's, a year. Who knows how long it will be before we can go back to some sort of normality with where you can be in large crowds and where you can travel. Um, we had some gigs in October that came in for South Africa and it's just like, you know, nobody's wanting to travel, no one's going to want us to, to come to their countries yeah. unless there's a vaccine or whatever. So, um, yeah, so, but, you know, remaining positive, there's still, the album can still come out and there's yeah. all the kind of platforms that people can sort of... Uh, you know, get at it. Well, that's it. And also, hopefully, we'll see you guys doing something on talking about social media. Where you know, <laughs> hopefully, we'll see something online. Like a like a few musicians have started to play a few gigs, haven't they? Here and there. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure yeah. that'll happen. I've seen the band fun. Elbow, and they've got you know hashtag the Elbow Rooms, and um, you know they I saw them. They're all in their individual homes and playing songs and stuff. So, um, you know. I'm not quite into that idea, but um, I'll probably get talked into, yeah. into something like that. Sure. If you were to 
say to the youth of today, oh, I'm sounding old again. Right. <laughs> Kids nowadays. Oh, again, that sounds awful. Right, okay. What music would you recommend for someone now? Not necessarily current music. So is, was there something that inspired you from younger that you still hang on to that you say, guys, listen to this. It shapes my opinion of music and it may do something for you. Who would you say? Oh be. gosh, I mean it's, it depends on the musical taste you, really. You can have more than one, like Steve yeah, with his I mean, country. I, I, you know, I love country music, um, you know, that, that's more like from the 70s, um, because they're good songs and stories and really simple chords um, and you can get away with, with really tragic stories but over something that's quite beautiful yeah. and melodic. Um, I also love listening to Frank Sinatra, his, his um, voice and his timing. Um, Sade, of course, and you know her voice and and, and the music. Um, who else? John Martin. I absolutely loved John Martin. An album called Solid Air, um, which is always my sort of go to go to record. Um, and then I guess a little bit more modern. Um, I would say um, Lauren Hill, um, yes. Miss Education. Uh, Jill Scott, who is Jill Scott? Erica Badu. Erica Badu. I mean, these are just like my son, who's now 24, has just discovered Jill Scott and he's just like, oh my God, this is mm. amazing. It's like, yeah, that's what we used to play in the car all the time. I remember doing <laughs> Jill Scott. I, remember, I, I love that album. I, I might, I've still got it somewhere. I'll have to dig yeah, that exactly. one out. Who's the brown sugar guy? D'Angelo. D'Angelo. I mean, these that was just, New Saw, wasn't it? Yeah, exactly. exactly. It was pretty good. Um, I would say, God, growing up for me was definitely a big country, a good old Scottish band. <laughs> but it was more the energy rather than the music, I think, for yeah. me. But um, oh, what should they listen to going back in time? The Stones. Oh. Classics. The Stones and the Beatles, the classic. Anything from Motown. Yeah. You know, 70s funk is a good education and music that you can dance to that has melody. I the 80s tunes were some amazing tunes. The production is is a little bit questionable, but the, the songs are phenomenal. A lot of amazing songs. I'll tell you who I've come round to from the 80s, and it's all about production, um, is, is ABC. Oh, yeah, but Let's Gonna Love was an incredible album. Some of those, and, and the production, like Trevor Horn's production, is just, yeah. just lush and massive. I mean, the classics... Jimi Hendrix, I mean, he's got to be listened to by any any young young musician, and yeah. you know Bowie. Yeah, I mean, even if you don't like the music, just have a look at them. Yeah. Those sort of characters, John Lennon. I mean, all of those, Stevie Wonder. I mean, all of these guys. Check them out. Mm -hmm. Oh, you know what? That's, <clears throat> we've got a great list of musicians there. I like that. That's yeah. a really good start to the. So anyone who's listening, just. Just spend a bit of time. Yeah. Exactly. Spotify. Bob Marley. Bob Marley. <laughs> so Sky and Steve, uh, thank you so much for joining me. So this is Mr. Scullin's Music Room, the podcast. This is the first. Excellent. It's going to be the first episode. Um, and yeah, it's been a pleasure to chatting to you. And, uh, and absolutely, you too. Thank, thank you, you too. Chatting to us. Lots of success with the rest of your your episodes. Well, that was episode number one. Thank you so much, Sky and Steve from Morchiba. Um, if you don't know Morchiba and if you haven't heard them before, um, all the music that played through that, that's all Morchiba, those are all Morchiba tracks. Check them out. I shall um, put a little list, a little list of tracks that I used throughout the episode at the end um, attached to this podcast. Um, and do uh, listen to their old songs uh, because they've had a, a great career and there's some really fantastic pieces of music. Um, 
you may have heard a little mention about a, a project that Sky's got to work on, which we ended up, um, we, we worked together. We, uh, we did a, a lockdown bit of uh, correspondence recording. So I'm very excited about how that turns out. Um, but I'll let you know when that's out and available for your ears. Um, so yeah, there you go. Episode number one, done in the bag. There are more episodes on the way. Um, again, uh, with, with a couple of uh, quite exciting musicians. Um, but also lots of other people that aren't necessarily on, on stage musicians. That um, I, There's going to be various people working in the industry, sharing their stories, sharing their highs, sharing their lows, and hopefully giving you guys um, the confidence to, to realise actually you can make mistakes and it doesn't mean it's the end of everything and people can be critical. It doesn't mean you have to listen to them, okay? If you want to do something and you believe in it, then stick to it, all right? It's really important that you don't listen to the haters, people, <laughs> okay? All right, anyway, I'm going to stop waffling. Thanks so much. That was episode one done. I'll see you, hopefully. I won't see you, but hopefully you'll hear me in episode two. Take care.